God, thank you so much for what you're doing in our house. You've already shown up in an amazing way. Things have already happened. Chains have been broken. Couldn't ask for anything. But we do ask that you would bless your word this morning as we receive your word. And we take it as your heartbeat towards us. And fully receive the transformation in your word. Lord, I ask that you bless all the other great churches that are preaching your gospel throughout our city, around the nation. We lift up Crossroads Church and Corona Crossword and Moreno Valley, Generations Church in Moreno Valley, Sandals Church all over, and the Grove, Harvest Christian Fellowship, Magnolia Church, uh, Set Free Ministries, Victory Outreach. Lord, thank you so much for Victory Outreach. Thank you for the Salvation Army. Thank you so much that there's so many parts of your body at work even now to make your name famous in this world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. We have a lot of scripture to read this morning, so I'm going to start in Mark chapter 5. Let us therefore, come on somebody, let us therefore go boldly into the throne of God, grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in the time of need. We have a high priest that can be touched. We have a high priest that can be touched. And, 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 and this is how he can be touched, with the feeling of our infirmities. What touches him is the feeling of our infirmities. We have a high priest that can be touched. See, here's the thing. We, we read texts like that, and it's all nice and it's all good to us right now. But what you have to understand is that the first audience to receive that text was an audience who understood that you don't touch a high priest. And so the book of Hebrews becomes a Coke Pepsi test. Which one is better? The old way of things or the new way of things? The old covenant religion of the Jews or the new covenant that Jesus has ushered in? What is better, your religion or the relationship that Jesus has brought us into? It becomes a book of better things, a book of better things, greater things, a higher dimension of God's love. And here's the thing about being in church and being around Christ and people who follow Christ. We always want to go to the old school and the old way of doing things. And Jesus is saying, I've done something better. Here's the thing about God. God never downscales you. He only scales you up. The Bible says that we go from glory to glory, from faith to faith. It's always better. And so, so in Hebrews, uh, 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 the, the writer of Hebrews is saying, you, you once had days that you would observe, but no one could enter into rest. I present to you Jesus, who is the Lord of the Sabbath. You once had rituals and, and, and ceremonies that, that pointed you to Jesus. And now I, st- I don't want you to be looking at a shadow. I want you to embrace the object. It's the book of better things. And so he compares different priesthoods. He says, you've had Levitical priesthoods. And in the Levitical priesthood, you could not touch the priest. As a matter of fact, if the priest touched anything that was dead, he would become ceremonially unclean and could no longer function in the office of priest. 
But yet last week we talked about a Jesus who is walking into the city of Nain and he touches a coffin and death does not become him. Life becomes the dead child. We we have a, a priest who says, I can be touched. I can be touched. You can touch this priest. uh, Religion was about policies and procedures and and principles. But the Bible does not say, for God so loved principles. The Bible says he loved people. He wanted people. He wanted relationship. Religion is policy, principle, procedure, system. And relationship is intimacy, communication, and family, and friendship. Religion was said that you are a slave or a servant of God. And, 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 and relationship says, now I've given you a spirit on the inside of you that allows you to say, Abba, Daddy, Papa. Relationship is better. Hebrews becomes a book of better things. We have a high priest that can be touched. He's accessible. He's accessible. You can reach him whenever you want to reach him. You can, you can reach him when, when you're stuck on the 91 uh, parking lot. And you're frustrated. You, you can reach him when, when you're on, in the break room and it's not break, but you just had to leave the desk because everyone working around you was, was taking you to your boiling point. And so you just had to go to the break room. And right there in the break room, you can just call out to him, Daddy, I have a problem. You can reach him in your car at work, while you're washing dishes in the closet, wherever you are. You don't have to wear special underwear. To reach him. You don't have to uh, take a pilgrimage to a special holy place to reach him. Uh, You no longer have to go to a special priest and and, and be on the other side and, and tell the priest to tell Mary to tell his son. We now have a priest that you can reach and touch. And he says that, that, that now we can enter in boldly to the throne of grace. Oh, I feel like as if I might have a preach on today. I might have to preach. I, I don't know. Came on the wrong Sunday. The Baptist is here. <laughs> He's accessible. He's accessible. And, and the thing that's, that's so violating and offensive to everything that stands for religion is the fact that what touches him is not our perfection. It is the feeling of our infirmity. Chris, you mean to tell me that my temptations touch him? Hey, you mean to tell me that, that in my weakness, my weakness, the areas where I'm weak, the, the things that I, oh, let, Tim, let's talk about weaknesses. <laughs> we live in a society where we want to talk about our strengths. We don't talk about weakness finders. We want strength finder tests. What are your strengths and how can we capitalize on your strengths? God says, I want to know your weakness. That's what touches me. You can touch me with the areas that you struggle in. You can touch me. You can touch. It's a a violation of everything that stands for religion. But, But relationship says that he was wounded for our transgression. 
It was our infirmity that wounded, that, that he was wounded for. And now because of that, by his stripes, we are healed. Are y'all with me this morning? Jairus in Mark chapter 5 has a problem. He's a ruler of a synagogue. He has a name that is known in the, in the city. People know who Jairus is. He, he has a place in the synagogue. The entire community respects him. When you see Jairus walking towards you, you better think it's your lucky day. Jairus, hope that he, he greets you. Hope that he knows you by name. He is in a, a man of importance. So important that Mark thought it was important enough to put his name in the scriptures. But his daughter is at the point of death. And all of a sudden, the policies and the procedures and the rituals of the synagogue of where he holds a high seat don't matter anymore because my relationship is in trouble. My daughter is at the point of death. I didn't understand love, Perry, until I had a son. When, when Zion came into my world, that's when I started saying, okay, okay, this is love. Before, love was, this is love, baby, don't hurt me no more. This is love. I had all kinds of definition of love, but Sally, now when I had a child, that's when love took on a whole new meaning. And, and I didn't understand love until, until my son got sick for the first time. His nose was all stuffy. He couldn't breathe. And I'm here trying to tell him in baby language, breathe through your mouth. <laughs> Go to the drugstore and buy every snot-sucking contraption they've, they've created and it's still not working. Finally, you break down like, you know what, I'm just going to put my mouth on his nose and just pull it out myself. <laughs> Do I have anybody in the building who will testify to that? If you say it's gross, trust me, somebody did it to you. Pauline walks in the room. She's like, why do you have Vicks, layers of Vicks around our son and molasses? I Google it, babe. The, the Vicks is kind of, you know, it stings his eyes, so the molasses is a sweetening. My parents come over, and I'm like looking at my son, and I'm looking at them like, you guys love me like this? I realize I've never loved them the way that they've loved me. Jairus is like, master, bends before Jesus. A ruler of the synagogue does not do this, but, but his daughter is at the point of death. And he says, my daughter is at the point of death. He doesn't say she's sick to death. She's, he says she's at the point. She's breathing her last breath. She is dying. They've called all the relatives. Everyone has been called, come and say your goodbyes. But Jairus, something on the inside of him says, this is a job for Jesus. I don't know if anybody in here has a job for Jesus. Comes and he implores him, Master, please, come. And they start going. They, they start going. Jairus begins his walk with Jesus. 
one thing I've discovered about walking with Jesus and, and, and being with God is that the destination is the journey, not the arriving point. Do you get what I'm saying here? We, we think that the glory is when we arrive, whereas God is teaching something to us in the process. We, we want to get to where I'm with God. Like, you know, I'm walking with God now, moving in the room with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know nothing about that. But walking with God and, and beginning that journey with Jesus comes with delays. And I've come to understand this. This is in, in the book of uh, Africans chapter 2. <laughs> the Lord thy God doth not own a watch. King James, the New International Version of the book of Africans says, God is not on your time schedule. What he's on is your heart preparation schedule. And sometimes the delays and the interruptions that you'll experience in life have nothing to do with you getting to your destination. He knows he's going to get you where he's going to get you to, but he's trying to do something on the inside of you. He's interweaving a different story. There's a divine purpose to your delay. Come on. They start walking, but this woman interrupts the process. This woman interrupts the process. I, I'm a little bit saved. Not all the way, so pray for me. But this would have been the moment where I'd have been like, seriously, Jesus? She's been, ble- she's been bleeding for 12 years. One more day will not kill her. She'll be all right. Let's go. Lady, stop. The woman is not given a name. Jairus is given a name. We only know the woman by her problem. There there comes a point where your problems now start becoming your identity. Your issues now become your label. And, and, and sometimes when, when, you, when you start only identifying with your problems, even your prayer life can be, can be superseded by your problems more than God's goodness. I, I do it. I, I meet people like this all the time. Like, you know, they, they pasteurize. This is what's going on in my life. And, and you point them to scripture, you point them to the word. You see all the things that God's doing around them in their life. But all they see is their problem. And what they've literally said to God is, my problem is bigger than you. And we build economies around our problem. Systems of how we do life based on our infirmity. She has a history. For 12 years, she's, she's had this issue, this, this infirmity. And for 12 years, uh, uh, it's one thing when you have a problem for, for a month or a problem for two years or, or two months, rather. But, but when it starts taking on for years, I mean, every, every year I just say, thank you, God, that we're starting a new chapter in my life. May I not struggle with the same things I struggled with last year. Anybody pray that same prayer? Lord, take me to another level, a new dimension. Let me walk into my destiny. I am tired. I don't want to do the same things, make the same mistakes. But it's been 12 years, 12 years of her battling the same issue. 
At first, she had relationships. She had family. She had money. And if a problem comes into your life, no matter how strong, no matter how wealthy you are, it eventually will drain the life out of you. Just this last year, there was a man that we respected. All my friends and I used to respect this man. He had a beautiful 5,000 square foot house and he drove a Lexus that all of us coveted and wanted to drive one day. When we were all in college, we are like, man, I just want to be like Dr. Jones. Dr. Jones dresses so fly. Yeah, he's a little bit older, but he's so cool. He's got money. He's got all these things. He travels and he would inspire us. But a problem overtook his life and we had to do a GoFundMe to put him in the ground. Because eventually, you get drained. This woman has been drained and she's lost relationships. She no longer has options. And here's the thing is that faith begins when you have reached your limitation. Your faith begins to grow when you reach your limitation. Uh, Donna, not, not a single person in this building woke up this morning and prayed to God for water. But I can take you to Nigeria and you'll find people who pray for water. None of us woke up this morning and said, Lord, help me brush my teeth. But I can take you into convalescent homes where that is an actual prayer because they've run out of that option. None of us woke up this morning and said, Lord, I, I, I remember in, in 1997, I, I used to have a Ford Escort. That was a 1984 Ford Escort. Every time I went to start the Ford Escort, I'd pray, God, please. Hashanarababa Honda. Akon P. Shanti. Then I'd mumble rap something. Please get this thing to stop. Because I had no options. This woman has come to a point where she has no options. She's lost everything. Her issues have separated her from everyone. She once had a husband, perhaps. She probably once had children, but now they can't hug her. She's completely isolated and has no options. And what I want to say to you is that if you've come to a place of rock bottom, that's when you need Jesus. That's when you're ready for Jesus to step in, to walk into the situation and wake that dead thing and bring it back to life. Rock bottom means just right for God. No more options means perfect for God to step in. Perfect for his power to be revealed in your life. What happens, Tim, is that this woman comes to Jesus from behind. Jesus most of the time healed people that he saw. He interacted with people that he saw. He saw Zacchaeus in the sycamore tree. He saw the rich young ruler. He saw all these people. But this woman does a creep sneak behind him. Figuratively, figuratively speaking, Jesus has his back on her. Have you ever felt as if God has turned his back on you? 
What do you do when you feel like God has turned his back on you? Is that the moment where you say, well, you know what? God has turned his back on me. I'm going to sit here and just die. But this woman says, no, I'm going to press. I'm going to keep on going. Because here's the thing. God has given you a will. He's given you a will, the will that allows someone to to hang on, even though they've they've said she only has a few more hours, a few more minutes. Grandma will hang on to wait for the grandbaby to show up to say goodbye. The human will is powerful. When you add the Holy Spirit to that human will, it becomes supernatural. Comes up from behind and says, I don't care what obstacles is in front of me. I don't care. Society was against her. Society in a misogyn- uh, misogynistic society, women were not allowed to enter into the council of men. You remember the story of the other woman who showed up in front of men, right? And started washing Jesus' feet with her hair. You remember that story, right? All the disciples were like, Who is this woman? You remember the story of the woman at the well when Jesus was talking to her? The disciples came to Jesus and said, why is he talking to that woman? The society was against her getting close to Jesus, and she pressed on. She said, if I could just touch the hem of his garments, I don't care what society says. I don't care what the rules say. Theology was against her, my friends. Because the theology of the day said that if you have a discharge of blood in your body, you're ceremonially unclean. You need to stay outside of the city gates. You cannot be around people because your infirmity will make them unclean. And theology was against her. But all she said was, I don't care if society is against me. I don't care if theology says no. I have to touch the hem of his garment. Her past was against her. Her past, her history was against her. Her history said, I've tried everything. I've spent all my money. I've gone to every guru. No one can find a cure. But if I can just touch Jesus, if I can just get close to him and touch the hem of his garment, Chris, come up here real quick because you have to understand the... the, 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 uh, the gravity of what's, come up here, Will. Come up here, I'm, uh, Tim, come up. Pastor Scott, please. See, see what's happening, Tommy, help me out. What's happening here is that, um, uh, Chris, you'll be Jesus for one day only. <laughs> Jesus was buff, man. Don't mess with Jesus. So you'll be the crowd around him, the special disciples, gathered her. It says that they thronged about him. This woman is, is, and there's many more people here. I want you to know this. She has been bleeding and sick for 12 years. Jesus is healthy. But something about her will said, I don't care. I don't care. I'm going to get close to him. She bent and, and snuck through the crowd. And the text says that she touched the garments that seat seat in the in the Hebrew. She didn't even touch Jesus himself. She didn't even touch Jesus himself. All she did was touch the piece of fabric that had touched the streets of Jerusalem, the streets of Palestine. The dust was still on it, and she just touched that. 
something that was touching Jesus brought healing to him. What is your obstacle to touching Jesus? Thank you. See, here's what you you need to to understand is that she said that she had heard the reports about Jesus. Maybe she had been reciting to herself. It says that when the Son of Man, when the Messiah comes, when the sun rises, he'll he'll come with healing in his wings. Uh, you, you may think that that was more like, you know, literally wings, but what the scripture was saying is that um, uh, the, the Jewish rabbis and Jewish observant Jews today, you might see them, uh, when they put on their prayer shawl under their garments, there's garments called tzitzit, the hems of their garments that drag on the floor. According to the Levitical law, they had to wear that. And so she just thought to her, yeah, I've heard the reports of Jesus. If I just touch the, the, the hem of his garments, the, he comes with healing in his wings. Healing in his, if I can just touch, if I can just touch that. And Jesus asked the question, who touched me? His disciples like, homie, do you know where you are? Look, look at all these people around you. And, and, and they've been having all kinds of discussions. All those who are close to him, who've been around him, who've been rubbing shoulders with him, they've been having all kinds of discussions. Well, Jesus, um, when you enter your glory, I'd like to be seated on the right hand, on the left-hand side for my brother. They even had their mom come and ask. It's in the Bible. Can you imagine a Jewish mom showing up? Jesus, you love my sons, Jesus. I have a favor. I think Fran Drescher for some reason. I don't know why. And they've been asking all these things. And it's very possible for you to be in the presence of God and never touch him. And never come to him in a manner that actually touches him for your better. You can come to church week in, week out and all you're thinking about is your house, husband, and car and not the, not the issue that you need healing for most. Let me wrap this up. Some look at this story as just being a sandwich within the story of Jesus getting into Jairus' daughter or an interruption. But what I'd like to submit to you that this was a divine interweaving. It was a divine interweaving. God was setting something up that was more divine for us to understand. You see, see, the, the woman became sick when the child was born. She began dying, and she was born dying. Oh, yeah, it's getting good right now. See, see, here's the thing. When we talk about dead lives matter to God, you have to understand that we have a high priest who's gone through the heavens both ways. He came down because he loved. He came down because religion could not reach us up. And so he came down to touch us. And then he went back up as high priest, interceding on our behalf, knowing that we can touch him and receive life. We can touch him and go from death to life. The new generation that has received a 
death sentence, saying that this generation is the most corrupt generation. It's a dead generation. Jesus says, I will resurrect this generation. Millennials, God is waking you up for something bigger and better. And for the older generation that's dying, Jesus says, you can touch me and I'll restore life to you as well. Dead lives matter. It takes us from death to life. Jesus is better. We have a high priest that we can touch. God, I just ask that you'd not not let this word go dry or fade in the memory. But may those who are facing obstacles press forward do whatever they have to to touch what touches you and the way that you touched Jairus' daughter and you said little girl rise may those that are young in this place receive that same charge and rise up to life Come on, give God a great big hand of praise if you receive something from his word this morning.